this, this will date some of you, but do you remember maps? Maps were these products made out of paper that you would keep in your car until they got really old and wrinkly like this. And you had a map. You had a map so you didn't have to guess or discover on your own how to get somewhere. Maps are really good about that. Just follow the map and you'll get there. Simple enough. But as we've said before at Generations, what's true geographically is also true relationally. What's true geographically is also true spiritually. What's true geographically is also true financially. In life, isn't it true, in life all of us are trying to get somewhere? You're trying to get somewhere. You are. I am. We're all trying to get somewhere. And we don't have time, really, to figure out how to get there on our own. We need maps. We need help getting where we want to go in life. Wouldn't it be great if there was a computer-like MapQuest program that could help you get where you want to get in life? I mean, think about it for a minute. Starting location, single with several bad habits. Ending location, happily married. Getting directions, go west one mile. Stop calling your mom every two hours to check in. Turn right. Get over the fact that your dad left when you were 13, you know, et cetera, et cetera, okay? All right? Or starting, starting location, two lazy children, out-of-control children. Ending location, two pre-med students on full rides. <laughs> Getting directions. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> can't get there from here. <laughs> yeah, they... He, You think that, but there isn't a MapQuest computer program that can do that for you. Would that there was, but there isn't. But there are people who have a map. I mean, think about it. Chances are in your life, you know someone who's happily married. They might even be in the gym today. Chances are you know someone whose finances are in order. Chances are you know someone who has kids, and those kids are a joy to be around. You know the kind of kids where if you're in the babysitting stage, you're like, ooh, I'll babysit your kids, please. Or they've got teenagers, and they're so respectful and so responsible. You just want to take the parents aside and go, what did you do? I'll sell my kids. I'll start over. How, how did you do that? I want to do that, okay? It's life. It works that way. You know, chances are you know people who have good, healthy relationships, and they're not bouncing from man to man or woman to woman. They got solid. They can talk to their parents, and it's okay. They don't have to be in therapy for a week, okay? You know people like that, and guess what? Those people, those people have a map. They know how to get somewhere, but you know what we do in life? This is the funny thing. When it comes to life decisions, when it comes to making big life stuff, we process that with our friends. And our friends usually are people our age, in our stage of life. I mean, think about it. You're having your first kid, and who do you process feeding and everything else with? Your other friend who's pregnant too, and they're going to have their first kid. Well, does she know any more than you do? No, but you process. That's how life works. Um, Andy Stanley puts it this way. He says, friends are great for friendship, but friends are not the best place to get advice. 
And uh, I want to remind you, by the way, this message, this series, we're taking from Andy Stanley's Principle of the Path. Andy also says this. He says, most of us do what our friends do. I mean, think about it. You know, if our friends are buying houses and they're financing them at 105% and they've got a three-year adjustable rate mortgage, why, you know, we tend to do the same. If our friends have two car payments, well, you know, everybody's got two car payments. Or if our, if our friends let their kids watch or listen to fill in the blank, then, well, you know, the Carlsons, the Stenelsons, and the Davises, they all let their kids, I mean, it, what's, it can't be anything wrong with it. The thing about doing life that way and processing big decisions with your friends and kind of going along with your friends is that you're doing a herd thing. Just practice this. Okay? To tip our, to tip our hats to mom... If your friends all jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? Mom was right. Sometimes the herd... (laughs) Sometimes the herd literally walks off the cliff. Sometimes the herd is actually wrong. So it's not always wise to follow the herd. In fact, if you're processing life decisions with your friends, with people in the same stage of life as you are, it's kind of like asking directions from somebody who's never been where you want to go. You know, they've never been to Vegas. You want to go to Vegas, and you're, how do I get to Vegas from here? Oh, yeah, I think you get, like, on I-65 South. Oh, have a great time. What? I-65? Doesn't that go to Nashville? No, I'm pretty sure. I, I want to go there, too. Um, no, it doesn't work. Uh, so let me, let me ask you a question this morning, and here's the question I want to ask. Whose map are you going to follow in life? Whose map are you going to follow Imagine, imagine for a moment how much better your life would be if you were following the map of someone who was already where you want to be. For me, uh, I, I, five, six years ago, God said, I want you to start a church in Nicholasville. I, I panicked. I'm not, I don't think of myself as a church planner. And you know what I did? I got advice. I asked all kinds of people who had planted churches that lived because a lot of church plants don't live past their first year. And, I, and one, of the, one, of the, one of the guys is a guy by the name of Charles Lake. I still process things with him. I'm, th- I'm trying to work out a, a, a thing. I've got to marry some people in Alabama. Oh, yeah, Josh and Emmy. Okay, and, and, and then I, he's in Florida now. I'm going to drive over. Why, why would I do that? Uh, when he was in Indianapolis, I would get in the car and drive three and a half hours just to have an hour and a half lunch with him and drive back. I mean, doesn't it sound crazy? When you think about where he is in life, it's not at all. He started a church from scratch that grew to several thousand people that in turn planted 10 daughter churches and eight granddaughter churches. When you add up all the people, it's over 10,000 people. He's built lots of buildings, but even the bigger thing, he's still married to Vicky and he loves her. And their two grown kids are actually, they turned out okay and they're pastor's kids. Uh. So anytime I can talk to Charles, I want to talk to Charles. Why? Because he's where I want to be someday. I want to still love my wife in 30 years. I want to have kids that, even though they're pastor kids, still love God and love the church. Um, from time to time, people who are new to generations will ask me, they'll make an observation, and then they'll ask me a question. They'll make, this is the observation they'll make. You know, the people here, it seems like you guys get along. 
Like, I, I'm not aware of any, you know, it doesn't seem like there's, like, conflict. Shouldn't there be conflict a lot in church? I mean, I, that was my experience. And then the question, how did you do that? Well, we didn't do anything. We just got lots of really good advice in the beginning. So, again, uh, whose map are you going to follow? I had a picture for what I wanted this church to become. You've got a picture in your mind for where you want to be financially. I mean, think about it. You, you, have a pic, you may not have a plan, but you've got a picture. I think I want to retire at 65 or 60. I want to do this. I want to have an investment portfolio that has at least... I mean, you've got a picture. You have a picture in your mind about the morality, the kind of person that you want to be, that you want your kids to be. You've got a picture in your mind spiritually, the kind of relationship with God you want to have. You have a picture in your mind about your education, your family, your career. I mean, you've got these pictures. So again, whose map are you going to follow? And I would suggest to you today that successful people in life aren't necessarily smarter than you. It, I mean, it's easy for us to assume that because someone is really successful, well, they're just really smart. Come on. Don't you know some really smart people who've had bankruptcies? Some really smart people who've been married like five times? Of course you do. Because being smart isn't the issue. Successful people, you know what it is? Successful people know when they're in over their heads. They stop and ask for directions. That's the difference. Solomon, who is arguably the wisest man who ever lived, had a lot to say about getting advice. In fact, he insists that we get outside advice, that we get wise counsel. And I've got several verses that we're going to walk through. And I'm not going to be talking about Hebrew words and a lot of commentary because this stuff speaks for itself. All right. So we're going to wait. He wrote, he wrote, one of th- uh, he wrote three books in your Bible, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Proverbs. And Proverbs is, is chock full of these pithy little sayings. You know, the ant, the wise person does this, the foolish person does that. You know, don't go down that road. Oh, you know, it's, it's got all this cool stuff in there. And, and so we're going to wade through what he has to say about getting advice. Okay, and I, I've got these on the screen so you don't have to flip through your Bibles because it would be a lot of flipping today. All right, so Proverbs 1 verse 5 is the first one that he has. Proverbs 1 5, and he says this. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. And then in Proverbs 12, verse 15, he says this, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And then in uh, chapter 13, verse 10, he says this, Pride leads to conflict, but those who who take advice are wise. And then 19, uh, verse 20, Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. And 11, 14, Without wise leadership, a nation fails or falls. There is safety in having many advisors. And then the last one, the kickers, uh, chapter 15, verse 22, plans go wrong for lack of what? Advice. Many advisors brings success. Wise people listen and prosper. Fools don't and don't. And there Solomon, that's what Solomon would have to say to you and me. And a fool, a fool says this, look, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I get that. I feel that. I understand that. But it's not wise. 
Let me ask you a question. If you were out driving around in southern Kentucky and you were trying to find the town of Nancy, Kentucky, has anybody ever been to Nancy? It's a great place. Several of us have, okay? You have to go down like 14 different little Kentucky highways that if you're from the Midwest or another part of the country, you go, this isn't a highway. This is like a channel. This is a bicycle route. This is, you know, two cars cannot fit on this road. Okay, and they're really curvy, and you go up and down. Boom, and there's always some guy in a pickup truck that comes around the corner going about 90 miles an hour, defying the laws of physics as he's coming around the cur- curve. All right, so you're driving around, and let's say you get lost. Would you just stop the car in the middle of the road and pray, Oh, God, please help me to find Nancy. Is it the left fork up here or the right? Please help me to know. It's possible that God would send one of his holy angels and they would appear on the dashboard of your car. Turn right. It can happen. Is it likely? No. If if you were to pass a gas station or some people, what would the wise thing be to do? Ladies, what would the wise thing be to do? Stop and ask ask for directions. Yes. I know, it insults our maleness. But look, if you're driving around and you're lost and you don't ask for directions, you're going to be lost a lot longer than you could otherwise be lost. It's just how life works, okay? And I understand that, that you don't want to ask for directions. I don't want to ask for directions, but it's the wise thing to do. I meet people in life all the time who've hit a wall or they're stuck or they're lost. They got into a business relationship with five other people and now they're filing bankruptcy. And I ask them, Well, did you get any counsel? Did you talk to anybody about this business relationship? Well, no, but I prayed about it. And I think, well, that's good. That's a good first step. But, you know, if we're willing to ask for directions when we're lost on the highway, doesn't it make sense that we would ask for directions when it comes to big life decisions, when stuff that's going to affect your future, your kid's future? I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, listen, Max, come on. That is none of their business. My finances are none of their business. My marriage is none of their business. Well, let me ask you a question. Don't you know somebody whose marriage is in trouble? Is it any of your business? Well, how do you know? Well, you know. You just know, okay? Um, on the surface, it makes complete sense. Uh, but when you, peel behind, uh, when you peel it away, really there aren't any decisions or there are few decisions in life that you can really keep private. If you buy a $70,000 car, for example, eventually your neighbor's going to notice, aren't they? They're gonna, and then they're going to go in, Hun, hun, you are not going to believe. I, don't, I know where he works. There is no way they can afford that car. Okay? What did he win the lotto? Okay. So since you can't keep it private anyway, why not get good advice? It makes sense. And so I've got some questions that I would like to pose as it relates to getting advice, okay? And so here's some things I want you to think about this week. Where do you want to go in life? I mean, think about it. Where do you want to go in life with your finances, with your family, with the big relationships that you have? Where do you want to end up? Do you know anybody who's already there, who's already there financially? who's been married 50 years, and they still love each other. Here's the second question. Think of someone, for a moment, from whom you'd like to learn how they achieve some goal. All right? One of these people who's already where you want to be. What's keeping you from asking them? Seriously. Most of them are happy to say, well, 
you know, it was trial error, we did this, or that was a flop. I mean, they're happy to, to lay out some of the rabbit trails and roads to avoid. And then here's another question. In what area of your life do you need the most wisdom right now? And are you seeking wise counsel for it? If not, why not? And, and here's some practical advice, okay? Uh, when it comes to asking for directions, when it comes to seeking wise counsel, you and I need to be selective. You can't just stop the guy in the street. Uh, hey, uh, could you tell me how to be happily married? I, you know, <laughs> might not work out so well, okay? So be selective, be selective. Um, and here's advice number one. Pick somebody who's where you want to be. I'm very careful to do this. I mean, I love commiserating and, and talking with guys who are in where I am, but I oh so appreciate it when I sit down with somebody who's where I want to be, and they've already been where I am now because they have a perspective I don't. Here's the second thing. Make sure that person doesn't have a stake in your decision. I say, what do you mean by that? Well, let's say you're weighing out a big move, and you're processing it with your mother-in-law, who lives 20 minutes away, and you have the only grandkids in the family. Your mother-in-law may give you really good advice. She might, but she's got a stake in your decision. Okay, so just take that into take take that into consideration. I know this is obvious stuff, isn't it? Okay. Number three, advice number three: make sure this person has your best interests at heart. It's someone who really wants to see you fly, really wants to see you reach your full potential. They want the best for you. And then lastly, pick someone. Be selective. Make sure there's there's someone whose life choices indicate wisdom. You know. If, if they're, you know, if they keep hitting a wall, they're probably not a good person to talk to, all right? Solomon, despite all of his wisdom, had a son who didn't pick up on it. And if, uh, if you want extra reading this week, read about Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, and it's found in 1 Kings chapter 12. When Solomon died, Rehoboam was supposed to become king. And so they have this big, big ceremony, and the whole nation gathers, and everybody sends their, their leaders and you know, representatives and whatnot to this big gathering. And uh, they come to Rehoboam, and they say, look, man, you, you know, your dad, the taxes were just stiff. You know, if you'll lighten it up a little bit, you know, we're behind you 100%, man, okay? So, so Rehoboam gets advice, and he gets advice from his dad's counselors, saw all of Solomon's court counselors, and do you know what they tell them? Oh, go lower the taxes, man. Lower the taxes, and they'll love you forever. And then he talks to his friends, the people who had grown up with him with a silver spoon in their mouth. What should I do? And you know what they told him? You know what they told him? Oh, you tell them if you think my dad's bad, oh, just you wait. I'll show you what taxes are like. Guess whose advice he took? Yeah, his young friend's. It was so bad he had to flee for his life when he sent the chief tax collector person for the entire, you know, it would be like the chief of the IRS, out, they killed him. And from that day on, Israel was two nations. The ten tribes who didn't want to have anything to do with Rehoboam and then the two tribes that stuck with him. Did he come out ahead for listening to his friends? No. Here's why this is important. You never get to a point in life where you don't need wise counsel anymore. 
You, you never get old enough. You never get smart enough. Even if you're 70 years old, you can benefit from wise counsel. And secondly, you'll never reach your full potential without tapping into the wisdom of others. It just makes sense. It's why it's in the Bible. It's the way God designed life to work. 